Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am super excited about today's show. You're going to love this show. I'm going to be joined by Ray Edwards, and we're going to explore the art of persuasion and why this is so important for social marketers. Trust me, you might actually want to listen to this twice. There's so much good stuff in here. By the way, if you need to reach me, podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com comes to my inbox. And as long as it's not a pitch or promotion, you will likely get a response from me. Now with that, let's move on to this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week I'm joined by Eric Fisher. Eric, what'd you find? Have you ever had that problem where you have an image full of text and you'd love to select all of it and then paste it into a document to work with it, but just, it's an image? Just a text, you mean? Yeah, for yeah. sure. So that happened to me the other day, and I said, there's got to be some way to do this. So I went online. I looked for you know o- online OCR, uh, which is optical character recognition, and I found one, and it's called New OCR. And in fact, you can find it at New ocr.com and I tried it out and I love it and <laughs> I mean again it's a free web yeah uh, talk about what how does it work yeah so w- what I did was I took uh, it was actually uh, a bunch of text that was in the iTunes app store and it, it perfectly succinctly told what this app did that d- wasn't found on their website anywhere so I took a screen capture of that uh, text right and then I uploaded the image right there on new OCR and it then gave me, it popped up a screen and I could copy all that text. I love that because iTunes doesn't make it easy for you to copy stuff out of iTunes. And even if you're on your smartphone, I would imagine you could take a screenshot of something if for whatever reason, um, maybe it's an app that won't let you copy something out of the app. You could take a screenshot of it and then I would imagine you could email it to yourself and then go to this website and do the same thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. So how does it work? Once you go to the website. Well, I mean, again, it's really easy. You go over to that site and you just grab, um, you know, you, you probably, if, if it's a screenshot or if it's something, you know, somebody said, this works even with like promotional material that again is an image instead of like a PDF. And in fact, PDFs work in this too. It can do JPEGs, PNGs, GIFs, bitmaps, TIFFs, uh, PDFs, and you just click choose file and you hit upload and or actually you, you you choose the file select the file you hit preview and then it actually what it does is it brings up some little crosshairs and says here crop 
what text you're wanting. Mm, that's smart. And then once you do that, you can click uh, download or you can click edit online, and that's where it pops up and, and gives you the option. So I, I literally just did it while I was talking to you. I uploaded a PDF, and, and I can just now grab all this text if I want to. Very cool. Um, does it cost anything? How does the site work as far as fees? As far as I can tell, there are no fees sitting here. There's probably just some you know, ad gotcha. stuff on gotcha. the sidebar. Very cool. Well, tell us again how to get, the, how to, get to the website. Yeah, real easy. So you just go to open your favorite browser, go to newocr.com. Awesome. Thanks for bringing us that find, Eric. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. I'm going to transition over to today's awesome interview with Ray Edwards. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by my good friend, Ray Edwards. If you don't know who Ray is, he's the author of Writing Riches and Money Words. He's also host of the excellent Ray Edwards Show, which is a podcast I strongly recommend. And his latest book is called How to Write Copy That Sells, the step-by-step system to more customers more often. Ray, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. I'm thrilled to be here. Did I get the title of that book right? Close. Okay, what was it? Because I'm looking at the reading here, and I think I got it wrong a little bit. It's How to Write Copy That Sells, The Step-by-Step System for More Sales to More Customers More Often. You know what? I'm glad I asked, because I'm like, there's no way I got that right. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, who doesn't want to know how to write copy that sells? So we're going to definitely get into that today. Uh, We're going to talk about really the art and craft of persuasion. And we're going to get into Ray is a copywriter. I'm a former copywriter. But a lot of what we're going to talk about will be just as applicable to the spoken word as it will to the written word. So if you need to sell or persuade anyone, I really think this is going to be an awesome show. So, Ray, I want to step back for a minute, and I want to ask you about your copywriting journey. Um, how did you get into this? What were you doing before you became a copywriter, and then kind of how did you work your way into this field? Well, before I became a copywriter, I was in the radio business, but let me rewind back to 1974. I was nine years old, and I saw my first direct response copy. I was at my grandparents' house in Pineville, Kentucky. My grandmother loved to read these uh, newspapers called the Weekly World News and the National Enquirer. Mm. And I loved them too. And my favorite part of those tabloids were these fascinating full-page articles 
that were peppered with stories about books and courses that were available to be purchased. But they told these fascinating stories. I remember one of them had a headline that was something like, turn your mind into a mental magnet hmm. that attracts friends and power and love and money. And it's, I mean, it's pretty over the top. It's crazy. But you have to keep in mind it was 1974. And there was no internet. There was no movie called The Secret. And I was just fascinated by the concept of this, what I thought was an article. And there was another one that was a story that had a headline that was something like, How Modern Chinese Medicine Helps Burn Disease Out of Your Body Using Nothing More Than the Palm of Your Hand. It's crazy. And it's crazy you even remember this stuff. I, well, I, I just, I read them over and over again, Michael. I know that makes me probably kind of a weirdo, but... Um, Later, I learned that these were not articles, of course. They were full-page ads. And I further discovered that they were written by a guy named Eugene Schwartz, hmm. who is one of the greatest copywriters of all time. He worked, did most of his work in the 50s and 60s, and he, he sold books through newspapers, and he sold them at like 10 times their actual retail cost. And they were just books. But he wrote this, uh, he was something of a genius with direct response copy. So you fast forward another five years, and at the age of 14, I started working part-time at a radio station. And did, I, I was in radio for over 30 years, and um, I, be, I was a disc jockey. Then I became uh, later an executive for a big radio company. And during my career in radio, I discovered all this stuff about direct response copywriting and direct response marketing. And I started studying it because it was my secret weapon in the radio business. Nobody in radio knew this stuff commercials and ad copy was just something that they cranked out just because they had to to fill the 30 or 60 seconds. I was interested in, well, how do I get money to go into these people's businesses so they keep doing business with us? And so I'm the only disc jockey who doesn't get fired. So Smart. that's how I started studying this uh, world of direct response copy. And then in the, the early 2000s, radio started changing because this, this thing called the internet came along and you could have a thousand songs in your pocket. So it was like having a radio station in your pocket only it was missing the two things that annoy people about radio stations, which are... Static. Okay, three things. Static, <laughs> commercials, and DJs. Mm. So now, and plus you could pick all your own songs. So I knew we were in trouble. And I actually paid, I'll never forget this, I, I paid $1,200, which was a crazy amount of money for me at the time, to go to a meeting at Seth Godin's office in New York. And there were just a few of us there, because he wasn't as big a deal then as he is now. He was still a big deal, but he's, he's a much bigger deal now. And I think there was less than 20 of us, and we all had a chance to ask Seth our most pressing questions about our industries. Had he and written I, any books by then? Uh, yeah, he had written uh, Permission Marketing. Gotcha. And Unleash the Idea Virus. And um, I asked him, I figured he was going to give me his marketing wizardry on how to fix my radio stations and thus my career. And I said something like, so, Seth, what would you do if you were in the radio broadcasting industry? And he was very thoughtful for a moment. And he said, well, you know, Ray, I would think about what I was going to be doing once I was out of the radio broadcasting industry. Mm. Not the answer I expected. But it really started me down the road to realizing I needed to do something different. And I started looking around and I realized, well, all this stuff that I learned about marketing and persuasion and selling while being entertaining and being palatable and not being you know pushy and over, overbearing – that would all transfer to the internet. So I hung out my shingle as a copywriter on the internet and it was the early days when not a lot of people were doing that. And I got some, some well-known customers. I did some work for Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield and a lot of people you haven't heard of. And I did really well. I was successful and I got a firsthand education about how direct response works on the internet and it worked wonderfully well. And so that's what I've been doing since 2005. Did you know that we both share Tony Robbins in common as a client? 
No. Yep. I did some, uh, back when I was a white paper guy, I wrote a white paper, uh, for uh, Tony Robbins and my handler, her name was Amy Porterfield. <laughs> oh, that's funny because my handler's name was Amy Porterfield. Isn't that funny? <laughs> that's amazing. I had no idea. So what a great story. So let's let's transition now over to um, why should social media marketers care about persuasive content or creating or crafting persuasive content? Let's Let's take this old art that's been around since before the 70s and maybe apply it to today? Why should we care about it? Well, I love this question because uh, I often have to just avoid the word copywriting when I'm talking with people who are really into social media because it has, for some people, it has kind of a different connotation, not not a pleasant one. But it's really about, as you said, it's just about persuasion. It's not necessarily about writing ads, although it's really good for that. It still works if you do it right. But that's a big part of it. But because everybody wants to know how to write or communicate in a way so that more people will buy not just their products, but will buy into their ideas, will read their blog posts, I mean, all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like actually comment or share them or write about your blog post. You know you're writing persuasively when other people are writing about what you wrote about. You're the, you're the generator of the conversation, not just a participant. And uh, really, you know, copywriting at its core is the science and the craft, because I think it's both, of persuasion and communication to persuade. And it doesn't have to be sales copy. And I think every communication we engage in, and you may, I, I, you may challenge me on this because some people don't agree with me, but I think every piece of communication we engage in, whether we're just talking with somebody casually or we're writing a blog post or we're on an interview or we're making a podcast or we're doing a Snapchat, it's all persuasion. We're either persuading people to agree with us that something is funny or weird or offensive or we're persuading them that they are able to do something or that they should do something or that they should believe something. We're always trying to persuade. Well, and to add to what you just said, um, today, marketers, especially social media marketers, are now competing on Twitter, on the Facebook news feed with lots of other Lots of other marketers, lots of non-marketers, you know, family and friends posting things <clears throat> up on Facebook. And um, it's it's very, very noisy. And the eye and the mind are going to go to some um, headlines over others, some, you know, paragraphs of text or however you want to craft it. Uh, in addition, you know, the email inbox, of course, uh, there's, I get 10 to 12,000 emails a month, me personally. So there's lots of those email headlines that are vying for my attention. So when you as a marketer understand the power and the art and craft of creating something that gets someone to act, which is really what we're talking about here, right? And that action could be a click, that action could be an open, that action could be a share, that action could be a like. Any of those kinds of actions are actually uh, very important to us as marketers and we all understand that. But what so many of us don't, think about is the fact that um, a lot of marketers don't have any skill in this area. I mean, and they didn't go to school for this. Uh, They didn't take any courses in this. Um, Frankly, their job has been predominantly to probably interact with people, which is what most social media marketers do. So I would argue that this particular thing that we're talking about today is perhaps one of the most important yet not talked about skills of the marketer, of any marketer. Um, So with that set up, I want to dig in. 
I want to let's dig into the art of persuasion. I know you. I know that you have an acronym. You have a system that you have come up with that is very easy to understand. And I want to spend some time kind of unraveling that. So why don't you go ahead and share it? Well, I would love to. Thank you. And I, I agree with everything you just said. And I'd just like to underline that not only are you competing with other social media marketers, and not only are you competing with friends and family, but you're also competing with the Oscars and with Fox. And with HBO, I mean, it's when you think about it, it's a it's a playing field that everybody is present on, mm. and so you've got to be different, and you've got to stand out, and not just being different by being weird, but being different by being persuasive. And I, I started looking for a framework that I could share with people because I do less writing copy for clients now and more teaching people how to do it for themselves, and I needed a framework that would help create the right mindset so that we weren't thinking about being like carnival barkers hawking stuff at a fair. That's not, the, that's not what we want to give off as a vibe. It's not, it doesn't turn people on. <laughs> it usually has the opposite effect. So I thought of the word pastor, which some people think I'm talking about being a preacher, but that's not what I'm referring to. I'm referring to the original connotation of the word pastor, which was to be a shepherd. And if you think about what a shepherd really is, the shepherd is the one who protects the flock. They care for them. They lead them to places where they can find water and food to find shelter from bad weather to protect them from predators. And this idea of shepherding as a protective role is it's deep inside our cultural mythology. It's like an archetype in our minds. Many of us learned that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Mm-hmm. I, I use this language purposely because I, there's no religious overtone here. It's just that it helps people who are selling understand that they need to start thinking about their customers and their prospects and their readers. And even if what you're selling is read my blog post, take a look at my Facebook status update, share this content. If that's what you're selling, you think about the people to whom you're sending that message, trying to get them to do what you want them to do as people that you're shepherding to a good decision, a decision that's good for them. You're protecting them. It's a mindset and a place that you come from in your heart that you're taking care of them. You're not trying to manipulate them. And I, I make a big, fat distinction between persuasion and manipulation because persuasion is something that you do to somebody that is not in their... Uh, persu- I reverse that. Persuasion is something you do for somebody and it's in their best interest. And that's your intention. Manipulation is something you do to somebody and it's for your best interest and it may or may not be in their best interest. So we don't want to be manipulators and we don't like to be manipulated, but we do love to be persuaded. Excellent. So is the P, this is an acronym, right? So let's break down the acronym. Yes, absolutely. So each letter of the word pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R, stands for a segment or a piece of your message. And you can use it as a framework to create any message that you want, whether it's an update or a blog post or the outline for a podcast or even just an extemporaneous talk. So the P stands for three crucial elements that you need to think of before you start crafting your message. That's the person, the problem that they face, and the pain that you're going to help them resolve. And it doesn't have to be a, like a big earth-shattering pain. It can be a simple pain that's not maybe that big a deal in the scheme of things, like, I wish more people would retreat my stuff. Right. Well, that's for a lot of people, that's a problem. And it's painful. It hurts because they write something up and nobody pays attention to it. So the first step 
in persuasively communicating is to first know your audience. That's the person part of this. You need to know who they are, what, what their life is like, what are their fears, their frustrations, their anxieties, their aspirations, what keeps them awake at night, what bugs them, what makes them angry, what makes them laugh. These are all important things to know. And the only way you really get to know that is by getting to know people. And a lot of us who are into social media marketing, I think sometimes we have a tendency to like being behind the screen too much. Mm-hmm. And now that's not everybody. A lot of people in social media marketing are in it for the social part of it. Like they love getting together at social media marketing world and being with other people. And that's the way you get to know your audience, really. You have a conversation with them. And you can do it online, but I, I love to do it both ways online and in person. And you get to know them, you understand their problem, and you deeply understand their pain. It's been said that, I believe Jay Abraham actually was the first person I ever heard say this, if you can describe another person's problem and their pain better than they can describe it, they will automatically assume that you must have the answer to their problem. So you have to know who you're trying to reach, and you have to know um, what are the problems or challenges that they're facing and the pains and the problems are kind of synonymous, right? Or are they different? Well, I think they are different because the same problem can be painful to different people in different ways. So you have to understand how this problem is affecting the people that you're communicating with. In some cases, it might be the, the frustration of not being heard. Like we were talking about people who want more folks to share their social media updates. Well, that's a, there's a frustration there of not being heard. For other people who uh, have this as like a corporate job, like their job is managing social media communications for a big company. Well, their frustration is not just not being heard. It's like, I might get fired. Mm-hmm. So there's fear involved. So you really have to be able to delineate, well, what is it that they're actually feeling? How is this pain felt by the person that I'm writing to? And once you've got that insight, you understand those things, then you move on to the A of pastor. Okay, now hold on. Before we move on to the A, the, the P part of this, which is the person, the problem, and the pain, this is like foundational stuff that's going to be kind of documented, put on a piece of paper, taped on the wall, something you look at every time before you proceed, right? Or is this something that changes every that time a, you communicate? That's a, that a great question. You know, this is one of the things I love about your podcast is that you, you always dig deeper for the next level. Thank you. Um, I, I do. I love that. Um, yes. Like when I was in radio, we used to call these people our perfect listener. And, you know, nowadays I think the popular term is avatar, which to me means a giant blue person, but <laughs> it's, it's different things for different people. But you're, you're, you're exactly right. You need to have a person that you identify this, uh, this uh, persona with. And so in radio, we used to actually get a picture of a prototypical image of our listener, like we cut it out of a magazine or better yet, take a picture at a station broadcast or something where people came to visit with us. And we had, we gave her a name. We figured out how old she was, how many kids she had, what kind of car she drove, what neighborhood does she live in? What TV shows does she like? What TV shows does she hate? How does she vote? We, we knew all these things. And it's going to be different, a different set of data for different audiences or purposes. But you definitely need to have this figured out and dialed in and no, you're not going to be 100% right about 100% of your audience. But if you get the center of the target right, then you'll draw in all the people that are in the rings the, as they Perfect. run outward. So that's a good point. Okay, so then we, <clears throat> we move on to the A. So what's the A? Well, it's two things. It's first to amplify the problem and the consequences of not solving it. And this is something that I think people pass over 
too quickly. Because if it's that person like who is in charge of social media for a big company, well, they know that the problem is they have to get more followers. They have to get more retweets. They have to get more likes and so forth and shares. Traffic. They, they got to get more traffic. So what we need to explore, though, is why does that – what's the consequence if they don't solve that problem? Well, the consequence is you might have this job for another six months or you might not. You might be out of a job. Mm. Or you might suffer. It might continue to be miserable for you. So it's the consequences for the person doing the work, not necessarily the company that they're working for, right? Well, right. Because, uh, frankly, the company doesn't care. It's it's only the people in the company that care. It's the individual right. who's doing the marketing or in charge of the marketing or their boss. Those are the people that care. So you've got to think about it in terms of who does it matter to and why does it matter? And then amplify that. And some people will say, well, Ray, this sounds a little manipulative. And I would answer, it's not manipulative if you are showing them a picture they don't want to look at, but they need to. So when you say it's not manipulative, explain the amplification process. Maybe that's the part we need to dig into a little bit here. So I would, in, as if I was writing about this in a blog post, I might say, if you're the person who is in charge of marketing for your Fortune 500 company and things are not going as well, you're not, meeting, you're not hitting your targets, what's going to happen if you don't get this problem taken care of? Well... Mm. You're going to get more pressure from your boss. You're going to have higher expectations. You're going to continue to have bad reviews of your performance. And this could result in you being passed over for promotions. It could be result in you not getting the raise that you need and want. It could result in you being fired. And if you're fired for not being able to handle the social media with this company, how are you going to get another job doing that very same thing with somebody else? So you really need to get this taken care of. I mean, you need to, I kind of look at it as, throwing a bucket of cold water on somebody's head, but for their own good to wake them up and say, you know, stop living in denial. You need to take care of this problem. So it's really um, reminding that ideal person that, um, that there's consequences for this problem that they have. If, exactly. it's, not, if it's not addressed. Exactly. What's the cost of inaction? Hmm. And there's, there's always a cost of inaction. And then the other side of the a coin is what is their aspiration? So we move from kind of prodding them a little bit to patting them on the back and saying, well, look what's possible. What is it that you really want? What you really want is you want to be recognized as the, the true driver of traffic and business to your company. The, the person who has helped create a loyal following online of fans who rave and love your company. And so your boss loves you and you get the raise and you get the promotion and you get the accolades, and you win the company awards, and they send you on the special vacation. These are the things that you're after. And of course, it's going to be different if we're not talking about a corporate person. I mean, for, some, for a, a small business entrepreneur who's doing their own social media marketing, it's a, it's a totally different set of criteria. It's like, how do I get more customers in the door? The praise I want is people ringing my cash register right. or, or buying things in my online store. So, But whichever case it may be, we're looking to first amplify the consequences of inaction and then Speak to their aspirations, their dreams. What does paradise look like for these people? And paint that picture of what it looks like. And you can't do any of this if you don't know them, if you haven't done the foundational work of the P part of the equation. Excellent. So then we move on to S. S, which stands for story and solution. And I think telling a story about the best possible scenario is if you can tell a story of your own struggle with this particular problem and pain. If you can talk about how, well, I wasn't getting listeners to my podcast. I wasn't getting retweets. I wasn't, people weren't sharing my, my updates or they weren't commenting on my stuff. 
And then I figured out a way to change that. I mean, you know, I love one of the blogs I love uh, reading the most, aside from Social Media Examiner, of course, <laughs> is um, CoSchedule. I think they do some great work over on CoSchedule. Huh. And what I love about the stuff that they produce is they do a lot of case studies and it's all data driven. And it's really interesting to read how they address a problem and they figure out, well, how are we going to solve this problem needing more traffic, for instance? And then they take some actions and they study it and they add up the numbers and you get to follow along with their conclusions. And they're a great example of somebody who's using this formula. They know who the person is they're talking to. It's somebody who wants to build a social media empire. They know what the person's pain is, what their problem is. They need more traffic. They need more loyal followers and they need more shares. And they know what the consequences are of not getting that stuff. And they know how to appeal to your aspirations. And then they tell you the story that they've been through themselves and they show you the solution they came up with. So that's a perfect example. You know what's now, coming through my mind right now, Ray, is I don't know if you've ever listened to the Startup Podcast. Have you ever listened to that? Yes. The, these guys, Alex Bloomberg is, for those that haven't listened to it, is a guy that came from uh, uh, National Public Radio. And uh, I think, and I'm pretty sure yes. that's what he came from. Yeah. yeah. And, and he, you know, he told this amazing story of um, he decided to go out on his own and the challenge or, you know, the, pro and he shares this aspirational dream that he has of trying to start his own business and, and get out from under the big, you know, the big brand that he was behind. And, um, you know, and, and it's an amazing use of story and amazing use of, um, of, of, of problems and consequences of startup. Right. I mean, like, you feel like you're going on this journey actually with him, right? You feel like you're on the Indiana Jones ride with him in the seat right next to him because he's so good with story. Yeah. And, um, and, and along the way, um, you know, you go on these twists and turns and can relate to the problems and consequences that he has by not knowing what the heck he's doing and almost losing out here and there. And it's just amazing. The power of story isn't it? I mean, like it seems like the story and you and I even opened with story, Ray. And I, I think that the story side of things is kind of a secret weapon here. I don't know. What do you think? And well, I don't, I don't mean to use it in a weapon analogy, but I think no, it's a no, secret it's, persuasion it's, technique. It's powerful. If you think about how history has been shaped, it's been shaped by storytellers. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Alex's show is a great example. I mean, uh, there are moments in that I've listened to every episode, some of them more than once. And there were moments that I just, I cringed at how foolish he made himself look. But I thought, well, this is real. You know, he's really showing us what's happening. He's telling us the real story. And I'm sure not by accident, his telling that story also supported his endeavor of building this podcast network. I don't think that was accidental. Oh, and it engendered tons of people to him, right? Yes, yes. And he's, so they built some incredible new shows out of that, and they got a whole great thing going. And the truth is, it's been proven, not just as an anecdote that we're sharing right now, but um, through neurological studies of how people behave, it's been proven that a good story will trump good logic any day of the week. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's powerful. I think you need to be careful not to use that in an irresponsible way, but it's true. And so if you've got a great message to share, an important message to share, then you, you do yourself and your message and your audience a disservice if you don't tell stories in the process. So the second part of the S is the solution. Does that, is that hinting at, um, finally, I'm going to be able to sell something? You know, the solution to the problem is to come to social media marketing world or the solution to the problem is to buy this thing. Is that kind of what you mean by solution? Exactly. Okay. So it, it might be come to the conference, social media marketing world, which you should, by the way, because it's awesome. Um, <laughs> Thank you. It's, it really is my favorite conference. I mean, 
battleship. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, and, and, you know, great content and superstars. It's all just great. Um, so, but you might not be selling a, a conference. You might be selling a product. And so you can explain how this product that you use helps you. Like one of my uh, favorite new tools that I've been using is something called Post Planner. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love Post Planner. And I tell everybody who will listen to me about Post Planner. It's a, it's a great solution to a certain set of problems. So it might be that, or it might be that you're just giving, um, like to take it to the other, completely other side of the spectrum, it might be relationship advice, like how to communicate with your spouse and have a better relationship. You might be writing a blog post about that. And so the solution is, I discovered, you know, how to get through to my boyfriend because he wouldn't listen to what I was telling him. And this is what I found out about communicating with my boyfriend. So the solution doesn't have to be something that you can sell. It could be an article, right? It could be an article. It could be just something you want people to retreat, or it could be uh, an infographic. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's the solution to their problem. That's what they're looking for. It's the holy grail. Okay. So we've talked about the P, which is person problem pain. We've talked about A, which is amplify the problem and um, what are the aspirations of this person. Right. And then we've talked about the S, which is story and solution. Uh, what comes next? T, which is for testimonial and transformation. So now in advertising or selling, of course, we're going to have testimonials where people share their experience with your product or your service or your conference. You know, like they're standing on the deck of the aircraft carrier saying, social media marketing world is the most awesome thing I've ever been to. That's a testimonial. Um, Or they're, you know, talking about their uh, experience with your product or your service. If you're a freelance writer, for instance, and they're sharing their experience with working with you as a freelancer, whatever it may be, it's somebody giving third-party testimony to the fact that your solution actually works. And then it also needs to speak to the transformation. You need to write about, because people aren't buying a conference. Nobody woke up this morning. I'm sorry to bear this news to you, (laughs) Michael, but Nobody woke up this morning saying, you know what? I wish that I could travel all the way across the country or around the world and go to a big giant conference in San Diego for three or four days and sit in a conference room for hours and hours and hours. But what they did wake up thinking about was, I've got to master social media marketing. I've got to figure out how to make this work and make it work in a, in a powerful way that's ethical and makes me feel good. And what I need is to learn how to do that. And then they find out that social media marketing world can give them that transformation. They can go and not know what they're doing and they can leave with a ton of knowledge and wisdom and experience and expertise and connections with people. And that's a transformation. They're a different person coming out the other side of that experience than they were going in. That's what the transformation is about. That's what people are, are quote, buying, whether they're buying a product or whether they're deciding to read your blog post. So the transformation seems tied to the aspiration, doesn't it? Absolutely. I, ideally, you're, ideally, you can you can transform you can make their aspirations reality through whatever your solution is, right? That's that's what you must do. The aspiration is the question. The transformation is the answer. Mm, excellent. What comes next? Well, it's the offer, and this is uh, where you just say, "Well, this is what I have to sell you," and maybe maybe you're not selling. You may just want them to. Uh, respond to the post you just wrote. So instead of saying, this is what I have to sell you, you might say, well, what I'd like you to do next is offer your thoughts. Give me feedback. What do you think about what I just wrote? Mm. Do you agree or disagree? So that's, that's an offer that you're making. And it's, uh, it's, if you're selling, this is where uh, people get tripped up a lot, especially those of us who are in the social media world and in the social media mindset 
where we the, the last thing we want to do is be perceived as a salesy kind of person. That's not the persona we want to portray. And yet, we're in business. So we need to do business. We need to sell our product or service. So I feel that this comes from a, a heart space of if I'm in that shepherd kind of mindset, I'm looking out for my people, and I know that the solution that I have, whatever it may be, is the best option for them to solve their problem, at least for some of them. Then I'm going to do everything I can to communicate powerfully to them, well, this is what I have to offer. This is what it consists of. Remind them of the transformation that it's going to bring to their life, to their business, to their, their personal life, and then move on to the R, which is the response to ask them to do something. I mean, they're going to ask them to buy. I'm going to ask them to comment or share or retweet or download my white paper or download my infographic or watch the video. So is it response or is it respond or is it both? It's, it's response. I, actually, it's the way I frame it is it's you're requesting a response. Gotcha. Now, talk about a lot of people forget to ask, forget to ask for the sale, right? I mean, like if anybody who has had any sales training, this is one of the things they say, ask for the sale, right? And, or, or call the action, right? And why is it that sometimes people skip this or why is this so important maybe to flip it on its head? Well, it's so important because um, if you don't ask, many people will not jump to the conclusion that they should buy hmm. or that they should do what you want them to do. Sometimes as as hard as this may be for us to believe, sometimes People don't understand or care about our stuff as much as we do. <laughs> so. Absolutely, and and, and I've, I always say if you don't, if, if you, <laughs> um, well, how can I best say this? Uh, if you don't give, if you give someone, if you give someone a choice, they might take it. And a lot of times, uh, if you don't ask for someone, then you're, you're not giving them any choice at all. So they're not going to take it at all. So like, I always like to just give one choice. Like I, I, over the years, I've had people say, okay, well, I want you to either go here and fill this out or go here and do this or go here and do that. And then later I'll talk to those people and I'll say, well, which one did you really want them to do? I really wanted them to do that one. And I said, well, you gave them three options. And by giving them three options, they're likely to take one of the choices you really didn't want. So should we give them one um, choice, the one that we really want? What's your thoughts on that? I think we should give them one choice. And there are actually um, peer-reviewed scientific psychological studies where they've tested this. And they give people a lot of options. And they give them fewer options and fewer options. And the more they dial the options down, the more people that ultimately decide yes on one of the options. And if you give them the biggest array of options, that you get the most people saying, uh I'm not interested in any of this. It's analysis paralysis, really. Isn't it really it? is. It really is. And it, it reminds me of uh, what my mom used to tell me. She was in the, the real estate business. She'll probably listen to this. So, hi, mom. I love you. Um, <laughs> she, uh, she told me, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. That's a very, very well said. Um, okay. Now, a lot of people listening right now are like, okay, how do I do this in 140 characters? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my answer is you don't have to do all this, obviously, right? So if you were just, if you only had 140 characters in a tweet uh, or in a small sentence to do some of these things, I guess, what are the critical elements? Because it, when we have the luxury of a 45-minute podcast or we have the luxury of a 500 to 1,000 word post, we can easily and should likely do all of these things. But when we don't have that luxury due to the restraints of social media, um, what's your thoughts on which ones we ought to focus on? Well, I think you should think through all six pieces of the framework and then you zoom out. And just as if you were writing a piece of copy, the next thing you would do is you would write what's called a headline. Mm -hmm. And the headline is what grabs your attention. In fact, when they train you to write 
direct response copy, what they'll teach you is the most important piece of copy you're going to write is the headline. Because if nobody reads the headline, if it doesn't catch their attention, they won't read anything else. So it, the rest of it's just useless if nobody reads it. And um, so that's what I would be thinking about. And in today's world, headlines are among us. And they're known as email subject lines and tweets mm-hmm. and status updates. and blog, those, post, blog post titles, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, those are, those are classic headlines, the ones that work best. In fact, sometimes you can actually see the classic headline forms being used. And um, so you just have to figure out how to, there's two primary ways that I think you can do this. One is you appeal to the benefit that they actually want out of whatever you're writing about or talking about or selling. Like there's a famous um, headline that was written, I believe, by John Caples, who wrote, he wrote a headline called, that went something like this, do you make these five mistakes in English? Mm. And it was enormously successful because I think the specificity of it made people curious, like, well, what are the five mistakes and am I making one of them? Cause I don't want to look like a fool. So I should look and see <laughs> and think about how you could easily, you could adapt that to a tweet or a blog post. Which of these five mistakes do you make on your blog? And we've all seen a variation of this headline before. So you, but the thing is, as much as you may think you've seen it, it still works. And I found great success with the how to also, which I think is part of the problem solving, right? How to, um, how to set how up to a, write fa- a blog post every day. Yeah. Or how to set up a Facebook canvas ad or how to use Facebook live to get more newsfeed exposure or whatever, you know, or any of these kinds of things. Cause it, it, we, we do live in this culture where people are searching for solutions to their problems. And that seems to be another effective route, right? Exactly. And I, I have, um, I have just a few, um, te- uh, kind of templates or formulas that I use as go-to formulas for writing headlines. And the first one that I always use is the how-to headline. So well done, sir. Well played. (laughs) Um, I use something called the transactional headline. So this is where you're, you're saying something like, um, try these five tactics for a week and be twice as productive. Mm, Excellent. So it's, it's kind of a transaction. You're asking them to try something and they'll get something in return. Then there's the reason why headline, which is you just tell them something they're going to get and a reason why. So it might be something like um, why your blog posts get ignored and how to fix that. I love those headlines. Yeah, those are super powerful um, because they really get at the heart of what's bugging us about whatever the, the subject is. And then there's the, um, the probing question headline, which is you have to be careful with these because sometimes they can just leave people flat. But uh, one of my favorites was written by a copywriter who was a friend of mine. It's funny. He's a legendary copywriter. And I happened to meet him in a conference and we became friends because he was like almost 80 years old and nobody there knew who he was. And I found out who he was and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I was like, he was a superstar. I followed him around and stalked him the rest of the conference. Um, His name was Jim Rutz. And he wrote a headline a long time ago called, Why Don't Doctors Get Sick? Mm. And it's, it's pretty funny because I've shared this with a few of my friends who are medical doctors and they laugh and say, well, we do get sick. <laughs> it's a great headline. Well, Ray, we could keep going for a long time and some people are already screaming, don't stop. <laughs> I can hear it already. Um, but I know that you've written a, a new book 
called How to Write Copy That Sells. I want you to tell people where they can get that book and whatever else you've got going on. Because folks, you know, I know many of you are going to rewind and listen to this again because this is very, very powerful stuff. But I definitely want you to grab a copy of Ray's book. It's called How to Write Copy That Sells and whatever else Ray wants to share. Well, uh, I'd love it if you pick up a copy of the book and you can get it at the usual places. Amazon is a great place to look for it. It's uh, available in paperback or in Kindle. And one of the things that I'll tell you about the book that other people have told me they find really handy is I put a checklist at the end of each chapter. So as much as it pains me to say this, you don't have to read all the pages in the book. Mm -hmm. You could just go to the checklist and use those. But you should read the other pages because they're really good. Um, So... Get the book. I think you'll enjoy it. There's some online resources that come with it. So it, it's not, even if you buy the physical book, it's not going to go out of date. I keep the, phys, the uh, online resources up to date and they're free. Excellent. Uh, and then um, I've created something that I think you'll find really helpful for your social media marketing efforts. And that is something called the socialcopyclinic.com. And it's free. And um, I've got templates I've got case studies and I've got some video tutorials and examples where I walk you through how to use these principles specifically for your social media marketing efforts. Go ahead and say that URL one more time. It's socialcopyclinic.com. Socialcopyclinic.com. Everybody go over there, check it out. Ray Edwards, author of How to Write Copy That Sells and socialcopyclinic.com. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your awesome wisdom with us. Thank you, Michael. Did I tell you that was good or did I tell you that was good? So listen, uh, there was a lot that we mentioned and you probably didn't catch it all, but don't worry, we take all the notes for you. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 192, stands for episode 192. Also, don't ever miss an episode of this podcast, a future episode. If you're new, hit that subscribe button. Well, this brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.